that Jared uh, Lauks. That's right. That's right. I questioned myself. I should have just gone with it. I mentioned before that Jared Lauks, our missionary, he'll be with us next week. He's with us this evening. Uh, and so I told him I'd love to give him five minutes to introduce himself uh, to you. Uh, some of you might already know him. Uh, he, for about a year when he was in college, he came to church here. Uh, this was his home church for about a year. In fact, he said that Krista, my wife, was the one who invited him. Uh, and so that's kind of a neat connection. Uh, and so, Jared, if you'll come, just introduce yourself. I'd love to get to know you uh, a little bit better. Yeah, so thanks for the opportunity to be here. Um, I didn't know if I was going to be here this evening or not, and so there was kind of a lot of things, uh, moving pieces. Uh, but my name is Jared Laux, as Pastor said. Uh, my family is all back in Washington State, where is home, that's home base for us. Um, my wife will uh, be here next weekend, so she'll fly in on Friday, but we are going to leave all five kids home this trip. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> So we've been on the road. Uh, we started pre-field ministry uh, with a, a goal and a desire to go to Paraguay, South America. We started our pre-field ministry in January of this year, uh, being based out of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, it's been a little bit of a trial, uh, but we have been uh, very blessed along the way. Uh, we are very thankful for pre-field ministry and for the things it's teaching us. Uh, specifically even as a family. Uh, we don't typically travel with all of our kids at any given uh, time. We typically take two or three at a time with us. Uh, but here, just a well, little less than a month ago, we were in Wisconsin where my wife is from, and uh, we had all, all the kids with us on that trip. They were really excited, and then we went home and spent a couple weekends uh, down in Oregon and uh, kind of split up some uh, opportunities there. But uh, when we started pre-filled ministry, our goal was not just to raise financial support. Our goal is to build up a unit of people that would pray for us because we are confident that we need prayer warriors. We need prayer more than we need anything else. And I think ministry in general, praying for your pastor, your pra yes, your pastor thrives on this as as an industry for him to live financially but he needs your prayer and, and uh, missionaries are the same way they need prayer and we are confident of that in fact uh, even in uh, my flight over I was listening to a book on that issue of prayer uh, and just that humble reminder of how awesome our God is and how he wants to answer our prayers so being in pre-filled ministry, we're here to uh, build up a prayer warrior team, but we're also excited, and I'll share more about this next, uh, next week. Uh, we have adopted a phrase in our family, Yaha Peroepe, which is Guarani, one of, the, one of the national languages. They have two national languages in Paraguay. It's, one of, it's their, their indigenous language, the Guarani language. It's, it means let's go to Paraguay. And it's our way of inviting people to join us on the adventure to Paraguay. And we're really excited because in 2005, God shook up my life by a short-term trip uh, to Paraguay. And he opened my eyes to full-time ministry through that trip. And so we're excited to open up the opportunity for other people to come to Paraguay and see what nationals are doing around South America. Our ministry is different. We have national partnerships. Uh, I'll explain more of that next week. Our agency is different. It was founded in Chile, South America. 
I bet many of you haven't heard of that before. And so I'll, I'll share more about that next week. Um, just a wonderful opportunity that we have to grow in ministry with our brothers and sisters around the world. And so, uh, again, thank you for the opportunity. Again, next week, next Sunday night, we'll be here to share uh, more specifics about our ministry, but you'll also be able to uh, meet my wife as well as she'll be here. And if you have any questions after the service, I'm not rushing off. I don't have any, any kids to chase down and, uh, or kids to get in bed. So feel free to ask, uh, ask questions, and, and I'd love to meet you more. So thank you. All right, join me in Daniel 10 this evening. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel 10. It's a very odd passage when you first get to it, when you first read it. In fact, I earlier this week when I read it for the first time, um, in fact, Joe Turman was here. He comes sometimes on Tuesday uh, to help do some things around the church. And so he was sitting in my office helping me put together the order of service. And we were going over this passage, kind of our first look at it. And we got done reading it. And I looked at Joe and I said, hey, Joe, you want to preach Sunday night? <laughs> and we spent several minutes kind of reading over it. And what in the world? How, what, what do you do with this? And yet it's one of those passages, and I find this often with Scripture, the more that you dive into it, and the more that you study, and the more you pray over it, the more it just kind of unlocks, and it's exciting what God is doing and teaching and working uh, through this passage. So I pray that it will be an encouragement to you this evening as we look here, Daniel 10, verses 1 to 21. Daniel 10, verses 1 to 21. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, even as we gather here this evening as your church in Altoona, Iowa, we rejoice even as we are reminded by Jared of your work around the world, that the gospel is going forth, that the church is triumphing, and the gates of hell are not triumphing. And we pray that you would continue to take your gospel forth. We pray that you would use us here in Altoona, Iowa, to reach Altoona for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray even this evening as we look at this passage that we would be encouraged to be faithful as we see our powerful and our sovereign God at work even on a world stage. We pray that you'd be honored in all that is said and done this evening. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As you come to Daniel 10, verses 1 to 21, the big idea of this passage, and I think what you'll see as we work our way through this, is the simple idea that the sovereign power of God gives hope to his people. As you start this chapter, you may notice in the third year of, king, uh, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning. We start this passage, Daniel is mourning. We'll see in just a second why likely that is. But he starts there with that mindset. He is mourning. He is overcome. 
And yet in this passage, we will see the encouragement to be faithful, to trust in the Lord, to be strong, to keep going. As we work our way through this, we'll see a people in limbo, an angel in conflict, and a God who's in control. The first thing we see is a people in limbo. So we see here in the first three verses, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, so this is 536 B.C. It is two years since Daniel's vision in chapter 9 of the 70 weeks that we saw last Sunday night. It's two years since that time. It is also two years since the first group of exiles had returned to Jerusalem under the leadership of Zerubbabel and Joshua. Think back to Daniel chapter 9. In the first half of that chapter, Daniel is praying. Do you remember what is, the, what is the subject of his prayer? What is he praying for? He's praying for God to be faithful, is he not? You have promised, Lord. You have promised to bring your people out of exile. You said 70 years. That time is up. Be faithful, Lord. Bring us out. Forgive our sins. Restore us to the land. And you have the end of that chapter as the angel comes, gives an answer to Daniel's prayer, shows him God's plan on a grand scale, what God is doing, even to the end of the age. It's at that time in the first year of Cyrus that the first group of exiles returned back to Jerusalem. And how that must have thrilled Daniel's heart, right? That is the very thing that he had prayed for and longed for. How it must have thrilled his heart when that edict went forth. Send them home. Let them go. Let them rebuild. As he saw them pack up and, and head out, how he must have rejoiced. My God is faithful. He made a promise, and my people are going back as he promised. However, Daniel himself is still in Babylon, or Persia at this point. King of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar. Again, this name reminds us that Daniel is still in captivity. Though he rejoices with the people who have gone back, his heart is in Jerusalem, and yet he's still in captivity. During this time, a message in this third year of Cyrus, a message that is true, comes to Daniel. The appointment of time was long, it says here in the New King James. The ESV uh, puts this as a great conflict. This vision that Daniel sees, this message he receives, it is the future conflict that's described in Daniel 11:2 to 12:3. We will get there. In fact, chapter 10 to 12 forms kind of a single vision. And so we'll be working through this vision over the next several weeks. So Daniel receives this vision. He understands the message. He understands the vision. 
And yet in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning. Three full weeks we see here in chapter 2. Why is it that Daniel's mourning? Right, if its people have gone back, the first group of exiles have returned. Why is it that he is mourning? It's most likely because that first group of exiles that went back was two years ago. And it's likely that Daniel's mourning is now for those Jews who have returned home because they are facing persecution from their neighbors. In fact, both Ezra and Haggai kind of recount this story for us as the building stops. They've returned to the land and yet they stop. They stop rebuilding the land. They stop rebuilding the temple because they're under persecution from their neighbors. And so Daniel's heart that was thrilled to see them go home, that was reminded of the faithfulness of God, is overcome. His people are back in the land. They are there in the land that God has promised, and yet they can't rebuild. They're not rebuilding. As his heart must have been thrilled as they went back, how his heart must have ached now from a distance as he views what is going on back in the land. He's mourning for three full weeks. An interesting note here is that the Hebrew text clarifies that these are, that this is, these are weeks of days, just as opposed to the weeks of years that we see in chapter 9. It's an interesting note that it clarifies that, weeks of days. And he's in a semi-fast. He eats no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. Three whole weeks were fulfilled. He is mourning. He is praying. He is pouring his heart out before the Lord because his people are in limbo. They are in the land as God promised. They have returned. And yet they can't rebuild. Yet they can't rebuild. His people are in limbo. The next thing we see, starting in verse 4, is an angel in conflict. It's an interesting passage, uh, verses 4 to 19. As this angel comes, and note how he's described here, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with the gold uh, of Uphaz, his body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. Clearly, this is not just the normal man that Daniel sees. Clearly, this is an angelic being. Unlike Gabriel and Michael, this being is not given a name. In fact, based on his glorious appearance as described here and Daniel's reaction to him, some have speculated that this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. This is unlikely. In fact, it cannot be. Because later on in the chapter, we see that this being needs to be aided by Michael in order to get past the prince of Persia. So likely this is an angel. It is a beautiful angel sent from the presence 
of God himself. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. The men who are with Daniel cannot see, and yet clearly they know that something is going on. Because they run and they hide. They are afraid. And so Daniel is left alone and he is overcome. My vigor was turned to frailty in me and I retained no strength. I heard the sound of his words. I was in a deep sleep on my face and my face was to the ground. Daniel is overwhelmed and he collapses to the ground. Yet this angel comforts him. This angel is not here to punish Daniel. He's here to comfort him. Verse 11, he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved. It's the idea of highly esteemed. Daniel, man greatly loved. It's a phrase that's used of Daniel twice in this chapter. In fact, you might remember it was used last week of Daniel in the end of chapter 9. You are a man who is greatly loved. This angelic being here ministers to Daniel. He reminds him, Daniel, you are loved by God. God sees you. He knows what you are going through. He knows the troubles of your heart. Not only does he see you in captivity, he sees his people in Israel. He sees his temple still in ruins. He knows exactly what is going on. In fact, that's what we see in verse 12. And he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. From the first day, Daniel has been fasting and praying and pouring his heart out to the Lord for three weeks. And for three weeks, God has been listening. Daniel, God hears you. God sees you. Daniel, God loves you. Don't let these circumstances discourage your heart. Don't let them steal your joy, Daniel. Remember that God sees you and loves you and cares for you and knows what is going on. He hears your prayer. Your words were heard. Brothers and sisters, do not overlook that or downplay that. God hears the cry of his people. He hears. Rejoice in the fact that you pray to a God who hears you and who is powerful enough to respond. Come to verse 13, you have an interesting interaction here. God heard you, and I have come because of your words. I was sent as a response. But why has it taken three weeks? Because the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Really, this is kind of a shocking revelation here. In fact, you'll see in Daniel's response, Daniel responds, he is, he is overcome once again after this. 
Verse 15, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. He is overwhelmed. Why? What is so shocking about this? Put yourself in Daniel's shoes. This beautiful and powerful being who stands before you, this being who paralyzed Daniel with fear and caused the men who were with Daniel to flee in fear, even though they didn't see him. This being who serves God. was delayed because of the prince of the kingdom of Persia. This prince of the kingdom of Persia is clearly not a man. It's a demonic spirit. In fact, what we're getting here is a view kind of behind the curtain into the spirit world, into this spiritual war that is going on around us at all times. And it's overwhelming to Daniel. Is this being, this angel who stands before him is so powerful and so beautiful and so awe-inspiring and you are telling me that this demonic force delayed you? Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is a reminder that we see in Ephesians 6, 12 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers against things that we cannot begin to comprehend. Clearly, those who oppose God and His people are powerful. Apparently, this angel or this demon is somehow set up over Persia. Its purpose is to thwart God's plan, to harm God's people. And yet there's good news here in verses 13 and 14. As powerful as this demonic spirit is, God is greater. And we see that here in verse 13. Behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen. Though this one angel was delayed, this great demonic spirit was no match for Michael. And it's no match for God. Those who oppose God and his people, they are great and they are powerful, but they are no match for God and his servants. Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days to come. Again, a reminder to what will happen to your people in the latter days. A reminder here of God's power. Yes, this demonic force was powerful and it kept me, but it was no, it was no match for God's power. All I had to do was send Michael. And not only is God more powerful than that demonic force, God knows exactly what he is doing with his people. He is the sovereign Lord. He is all-powerful. And he 
sent me to let you understand what will happen to your people. Note that word there. It's not what might happen to your people as long as these demonic forces don't get their way. It's what will happen to your people. God has a plan and that plan will be fulfilled. Because God is faithful. And because God is powerful. And because there is no force on heaven or earth or hell or anywhere that can stand against him. What will happen to your people in the latter days? Again, we note Daniel's response here in verses 15 and following. He is overcome once again. He's gotten this peek behind the curtain into the spiritual realm, into this spiritual war that is going on. And yet this angel once again comes and comforts Daniel. One having a likeness of the Son of Man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me. I've retained no strength. For how can the servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. And yet the angel comforts Daniel here. Then again, the one having the likeness of the man touched me and strengthened me and said, Oh man, greatly loved, beloved. Daniel, remember that the Lord loves you. You are greatly beloved. Fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. Reminds us of the language as the Lord speaks with Joshua, the beginning of Joshua. Be strong. Be strong and of good courage as I lead you into the land because I am leading you and I am faithful and there is no one who can stand against me. That's the same message that we see here for Daniel. Daniel. Daniel, the one who is greatly beloved, be strong. Why? How can I be strong? There are these great demonic forces. I have seen things that I cannot comprehend. My people who you, you've taken back to the land, they are limited. They can't accomplish what they need to accomplish. How can I be strong? How can I fear not? That's when we come to verses 20 to 21. How God in control. Daniel, fear not. Fear not. Not because your circumstances are working out the way you thought they would. Not because your people who have returned are accomplishing the things that you wanted them to do. Fear not because I am your God and because I am in control. Note verse 20 21. Do you know why I have come to you? Now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. 
interesting thing to note there. Again, we see these demonic forces at, at work on an international scale. The prince of Persia, and then you have the prince of Greece. And that's interesting to note because Greece and Daniel's visions earlier in the book of Daniel, 8 and, and, and before that, it is Greece that follows Persia. So even in this spiritual battle, there's a reminder that God's in control. Daniel, I told you that this was going to happen. You've seen the vision. You know that Persia is going to rise. And then Greece and Rome and this other nation of Rome later on. You know what's coming. I will go and I will do battle with this prince of Persia. And the Lord will prevail. And then I will go and I will do battle with the prince of Greece. And I will prevail. And then Rome. And then every empire after that. And in the end, there is one who is standing and it is the Lord who will prevail. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. That, that phrase noted in the scripture of truth. This is why I have come to you, Daniel. I have come to tell you what is in the scripture of truth, what God is doing. That idea there is God's heavenly decrees regarding the future of the nations. I have come to remind you of what your God is doing and what he will accomplish. You see, Daniel, my people aren't in limbo. I know exactly what I'm doing. My angels aren't limited. I know exactly what I am doing. I am the sovereign God of history. I have decreed what will happen. And I will make it happen, for I am faithful. It's an odd chapter. And yet, as we come to the end of it, we are reminded of the power, of the faithfulness, of the sovereignty of our God. We are reminded that God sees and God hears and God strengthens. We are reminded that the Lord is at work on an international scale, accomplishing his purposes in nations and governments. We're reminded that, that yes, your enemy is great, but your God is greater. And we're reminded that you are loved. You are loved by the God who sees you and hears you and is working through you for your good and his glory. So as you come to the end of a passage like this passage in Daniel 10, this odd interaction, we see these big truths. What application is there for us? Two things. Number one, be strong. Be strong and be faithful. 
regardless of your circumstances, be strong. Have faith. Cling to the hope that is yours in Christ. Because your God is in control. There is no one greater. His purposes will be accomplished. And nothing and no one can thwart them. So you be strong. You keep believing. And what does that look like? And day in and day out. It looks like being faithful. It looks like gathering as the church and singing his praises. It looks like going to a world that is dying and going to hell and proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and not wavering and not worrying regardless of what the news says because our God is in control. Do you believe that? Your God is in control. There is no nation There is no leader. There is no demonic force that has any sway over him. He knows exactly what he is doing, and he is doing it exactly in his time and in his way, for his glory and for your good. And so regardless of your circumstances, brothers and sisters in Christ, be strong in the Lord and be faithful, for your God is faithful. We're going to close with a song this evening. I told our piano player that we were going to sing Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise, but I want to change that. It's still a song we sang earlier. I want to sing, Speak, O Lord. I need to grab a hymn book real quick. Speak, O Lord, number 513. It's kind of an odd song to end a service with. I want you to look at this last verse with us. With me. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Truths unchanged from the dawn of time, regardless of your circumstances. Regardless of what the news says, regardless of what is going on around you, these truths are unchanged. And they are from the dawn of time when a sovereign God proclaimed them. They are truths that will echo down through eternity. And so by grace we'll stand on your promises. And by faith we'll walk as you walk with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and it will be built. And the gates of hell will not prevail because our God is powerful, he is sovereign, and he is faithful. And the earth is filled with your glory. I think that would be a good thing for us to end proclaiming this evening. And so let's stand and let's sing number 513, Speak, O Lord, as we close.